we are, you know, on this new project. Um, I think it's, it's more along the lines of educating and entertaining. And also, you know, want to kind of get a little bit outside of the, the typical entrepreneur, motivational, uh, what's the crushing it kind of, kind of mentality, but be very realistic about things, you know, especially coming from folks that, you know, we're, we're not necessarily been there, done that, but we're doing the thing, you know. I, get, I, I like that as the name of the podcast. Do, do the what thing. they think. I do think that might be, the, might be uh, very appropriate. Yeah, like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, look, we've, we've both seen our share of motivational speakers, and you leave all pumped up, and you're like, yeah, man, I'm going to go take on the world. And then the pump wears off three or four or five days later. The reality is, I think you've got to live your life incrementally every single day making great decisions, and you've got to be transparent and honest with yourself and have a group of people around you that are also brutally honest with you. Because um, you know, you're gonna fail more than you succeed, and that's the key to succeeding, is being willing to fail. So yeah, right there with you, brother. Yes, sir, yes, sir. So, you know, maybe we should start talking about ourselves a little bit, uh, getting everybody, giving everybody a good idea of who we are and uh, where we're coming from. You know, I think that's probably, you know, about a good two episodes or one extra long episode worth of worth of content there. Um, so, so Phil and I kind of bantered back and forth with a couple of questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna send my own questions to Phil, and he's gonna kind of interview me off of some of those questions. But uh, Phil's gonna be first, uh, and I do have a, a actually have eight questions for you. <sighs> okay. Right, you're ready. <laughs> so. Give us your life story in five words or less, go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I got to be honest with you. I wrestled with that even up until like 10 minutes ago. Um, That's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I, I really came up with this. I, I'm going with three. No, All right. Four. Take the 10 count. Take the 10 count. And I'll okay. tell you how you see that. Um, so in high school, I played football, and my coach – gave me some of the best advice in the world. He's like, yeah, I was a fullback, right? And he said, uh, look, when you get hit, don't get up quick because when you're injured, you don't, want you, you don't want the other team to know you're injured. So if every time you get hit, you get up slowly, then that one time you're actually injured, you know, they're, they're just expecting that's how you do, right? And um, so you, you apply that, you know, I do uh, uh, motivational speaking, stuff like that. And you have to apply that in training and speaking in business um, because you're going to get stumped by stuff that happens, right? And if people already know your communication style is you're going to take 10 count, um, you know, then they're not so surprised when you pause. They don't think they got a gotcha in or anything like that. But on a bigger scale, um, look, I've made my share of mistakes um, more so than I, than I really want to recount. But when, when I learned this, to just sit back instead of jumping back up and going in swinging, be it uh, training, be it Muay Thai, be it business, but really step back and kind of think like, how did I get here on the ground? Um, I'll give you a great example. I was training in Kempo very, very early on and um, I was sparring and I kept getting kicked in a place that guys don't really ever want to get kicked. <laughs> and I'm not 
talking like once or twice. I'm talking same opponent probably nailed me seven times. Oh. And finally, I'm like, what? Um, and it was my stance and it was the way I was shifting my weight between my feet that opened myself up for this. And he's like, yeah, this is, this is, you're, you're creating this opening. And unless you take that 10 count and really think like, all right, how did I end up on the ground? Stop and think a moment, analyze what brought you there and make those corrections. You're just going to be a rock'em sock'em robot running into a wall, right? So, yeah. Those are my that's, words. That's, um, I was not expecting that kind of an answer. And, and you know, that's, that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a younger entrepreneur and, um, you know, I'll take a couple of hits and I'll jump right back up and, and, and take some more, you know, I want to plow through that wall. Um, but you know, earlier on, you know, what, what are some of the things that, um, older folks always say, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now, right. You know, maybe, maybe I should take those opportunities and try to learn a little bit more from them before, before heading back towards that objective, you know? Look, brother, I wish, I wish, I wish I had um, in all things. Yeah, even up to, um, I took about three years off of, you know, actively dating or really anything. Uh, and during those three years, because I- Because of those kicks, um, right? What's that? Because of those kicks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was part of it. <laughs> um, yeah, but during that time, I wrote my first two books. During that time, I learned actually who I was. I became okay in my own skin. Um, and, you know, I had a very successful career. I'd had a lot of long-term, you know, relationships, friends of 20 years and all that. But there were still pieces missing. And it wasn't until I got that clarity. And my 10 count lasted 36 months. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned, uh, you know, writing a couple of books right there. So... So you've have you have two nonfiction books, and you're currently working on a novel. Um, so you've been published. Um, you you're out there. You're in the space. So any any advice for you know kind of keeping in mind that that ten count mentality too. You know any advice for um, any aspiring writers out there? Yeah, a lot. First of all, um, if you thought there was a lot of bloody deaths in Game of Thrones, try talking to an agent. <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to get your throat slit a lot. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing because um, it's just a hyper competitive world. I mean, look, with social media, with three screens, uh, you know, the world goes like this around us. And until you learn to really capture someone's attention, you know, I'm writing a thriller, it's 80,000 words they're going to put me down after the first 5,000 words if I'm not engaging. So number one is get a thick skin. Number two, um, <clears throat> there's this misconception about writing. So probably eight out of 10 people I talk to say, I want to be a writer. Yeah. I've always wanted to write a book. Right. Or, yeah. you know, uh, but they have this like mystical belief that writers sit down and fairy dust sprinkles through the air and they, have this inspired thing and they just write and it's all beautiful. And the reality is you sit down and you, forgive me for saying it this way, you puke stuff out, right? And sometimes you puke it out and you look at it tonight and it's beautiful and brilliant. And, you know, you have a glass of scotch to celebrate how cool and smart you are. And you wake <laughs> up the next morning, you're like, oh my God, this sucks worse than anything I've ever seen in my life. Um, oh. 
And, and that's the experience. Uh, there's no such thing as good writing. There's only good editing. Um, there's only good rewrites. Uh, so sit down, puke it out, do it horribly, come back the next day with some clarity, do it again, keep refining, don't be afraid to cut. And the last thing I'd say is, um, <laughs> and, and Dan, if you're listening to this podcast now or in the future, um, I'm sorry, but um, I, I'll tell you a true story. I, I started working with an editor named Dan, and I'm gonna tell you, go find your own Dan. If you wanna be a writer, find a Dan. Because I sent Dan my first ideas for first chapter, like this, like expecting him to, <laughs> expecting him Perfect. to, yeah, you know, write back and tell me how beautiful I was and, you know, how amazing my intelligence was. And what he said is, this needs a hell of a lot of work. That's, yeah. that's got to be pretty tough to hear. You know, that's because you probably put in a ton of work already, you know. Well, yeah, and uh, this was on the novel, right? And uh, I actually told him before I sent the work, I said, in the next four months, I'm going to write a best-selling novel. And he's like, sure you are. <laughs> that was four years ago. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. yeah, he's probably heard that before, huh? Yeah. Find somebody that's going to be brutally honest, not someone that's going to feed your ego, somebody that's going to tell you actually how it is, because... Writing is a lifelong evolution. It's a craft that you never master. You just get a little different and better at every day. Get prepared to suck. Get prepared to have your throat cut a few times, your foot stepped on, and be prepared to get kicked. And through that all, you might come out on the other side of it, but it's about the journey, not the end. Yeah, and that's, um, that's a very good point, too, surrounding yourself with folks that, um, that will give you good valuable feedback rather than this was excellent this was just so good <laughs> um I, i'm probably my own worst critic when it comes to writing because i i think whatever i write is garbage um and that's <laughs> but but you know it, it helps also on the other side of things you know having somebody kind of help you find the good stuff in your writing as well as the bad stuff you know um yeah. And I'm not exaggerating, Dan, if you're listening, you can back this up, call in. Um, I got my first compliment in four years last week. All right. All right. Yeah. From Dan, right? From Dan, yeah. He, um, he's not one that will tell you you're doing things right. He just won't say anything if it's okay, right? Yeah. But he actually liked one phrase. And I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> Record Amazon <laughs> four months back on we're back yeah. at it <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with having those types of short-term goals you know but you know you got to do your 10 count when uh you know that goal doesn't plan out the first or second time yeah you do step back and rethink it yeah and and you know we do have a couple other questions but I kind of want to keep on this for 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 a couple minutes and I was um I was actually listening to a, a, another interview, a podcast with um, Neil Gaiman, and he was talking about a couple of things that he does as a writer to make sure that he is, you know, in in the zone, uh, so to speak, so that he's he's not being distracted. Um, he's put himself into a position where you have to write. Um, and one of the things that he does, he'll he'll go into his, I guess he has an attic or 
or some type of office in his house where he will lock himself in there and he's not allowed to do anything but look out his window or write. And he can't do anything else. So he says that eventually looking out the window gets very old, and very boring, and I have to write something. So what are some of the things that you do to kind of keep yourself on track when you're writing? That's, that's a really good question. And um, so, you know, it ties into something else that um, I was giving some thought about. Um, you have to have, you have to have a, like a daily discipline. Um, to be a writer, to be anything, I think you have to have daily disciplines. And all of us, you know, we, look, we're adults. We all know what we should be doing. And we go to these motivational, you know, presentations that remind us of the things we already know, but we don't do them, right? And sitting down writing is, is one of those things. And, you know, as I said, you're going to suck a lot of the times, right? You're going to sit there and stare out the window with no idea. I once spent over two hours on one paragraph. Right. And those, those days are going to happen. But what you have to do is every, like I have a written calendar and every day I give myself a point for writing. I give myself a point for taking ginkgo biloba, for doing yoga, for exercising, going on a walk, uh, spending quality time with my wife, not just, you know, the normal kinds of things, but really, really a special moment. I give myself points for all these things. But writing is one thing every day. And I don't set a writing goal. Sometimes people say, write 800 words a day and you'll get to X, Y, Z. I don't believe in that because it's not about writing. It's about editing. So if I, if I spend a block of time more than a half hour, I get a point right, for writing. I think that's how you have to look at it. It, it is a job. Even if you have a day job, yep. writing is a commitment. It's a job. It's a discipline. Do it every day. Do it poorly. Don't wait for the inspirations. If you're having writer's block, there's a reason why. Move on to something else or edit yourself. But every day make progress. And if you do that, one day you're going to wake up with a hell of a novel or something that a, 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 a agent's going to slit your throat over. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> right. So that, that's really interesting with the with the point system. You know, you know, Tony Robbins likes to always talk about, you know, having your, your daily rituals and, and things like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there in, in the in the personal development space that have some some type of way of doing that. Um, do you have um, like benchmark of how many points do you want to make per day? Is it like a hundred point system? Is it a ten point system? How do you do it? Yeah, great question. So the the answer when I started it was I had no idea. Uh, I think what you first have to do is put your daily disciplines down and start tracking them. Uh, what came from that is there was a core list of maybe seven things that I knew I should do every day. Uh, now that list has grown to over 20 things that I should do every day. And my point score started off at five to seven. Uh, now if I get over 10, I'm really proud of myself and I expect to get over 10. Um, and there's some things that time doesn't permit you to do. And there's some things you don't want to do. Like diet is one of the things, right? Did I eat right today? I don't always want to do that. I like Mexican food. You know, yeah. I like, <laughs> and that's okay. You can cheat. Yeah. You can break your diet. As long as 80 or 90% of the time you're living by it, then you can break, right? So you're not going to achieve all the things you put every day, nor should you find a reason to beat yourself up if you don't do it. Get up the next day and do it tomorrow, right? The yeah. world's we got enough stress to deal with without creating our own stress but yeah my goal is to get over 10 and some days i get 14 15. 
Okay, okay, that makes sense. I I think I might um, kind of do a little bit of brainstorming of my own and see see where my point scale is at. And uh, you know, and I like how you say that you know if you don't hit all of your points, it's not about you know it's not a guilt thing. You know, not necessarily, especially if you're you know between that eighty and hundred uh, percent most of the time. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's, I like that. It's a lifestyle approach. It's sustainable, you know. Um, you know, when I was doing a lot of personal training in, in the fitness space, um, that, that was the hardest thing was the diet uh, with my clients, working with my clients on diet and, and kind of keep them on track because they would um, feel so terrible when they would go out to eat with their significant other, they'll have some dessert or they'll just have gross pizza uh, just the greasy, disgusting pizza. And, and you know, like, you know what, it's okay. It's okay to do that. Um, you are on track, uh, six days out of the week, you know, one meal isn't going to completely derail you. Right on. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, look, just for context here, cause I know we're going to go through conversation about you next time, but I just want to say, man, uh, you've had a successful military career, um, counterintelligence. Um, you know, you, you're an entrepreneur now and you're, you're a young guy. I dare say 20, 30, 40 years younger than me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, go through and set up your daily disciplines. But, bro, you've already been living them to do the things you've done. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, but it, it is definitely good to know, you know, have that context though for everything you know where have i like especially if you're having a hard time or a bad week or a bad day or something like that like maybe maybe i was missing a couple of things off my list that day and maybe that's what's throwing me off you know that could be kind of helpful especially you know i i work a lot with um uh, a nonprofit that does a lot with uh, neurolinguistic programming um, and there's there's some cer certain checkpoints on you know keeping your body healthy and your mind healthy and things like that. Um, but we we can digress on that thing a little little bit later because we got some more questions for you. Bring it um, on. So, so let's talk about the career transition aspect of things. So um, at 55, you left your job you know after 12 years. Um, so why did you do that, and what were some of your experiences in the job market? Uh, we're back to the Game of Thrones analogy. Yeah, and actually, you know, tell everybody a little bit about what you were doing too. Yeah, so um, and uh, this really leads into why I was so surprised and shouldn't have been about what happened in the job market and uh, why entrepreneurship became the only choice for me, um, the only logical choice for a lot of reasons. Uh, look, I started my career in restaurants. Um, <clears throat> I moved into distribution. I was a corporate sales trainer, probably interviewed, hired, and trained more than 200, probably closer to three or 400 uh, sales professionals. Moved on from there. I did, uh, had a business in medical uh, diagnostic products. Um, and for the most recent uh, 12 years, I was senior VP of a music publishing company um, that covered Canada, US, Latin America, Brazil. Um, so in the medical business, I extensively worked in Scandinavia. I trained people from 12 countries. I've spoken and presented in 12 countries around the world. Um, in, you know, in the senior VP role, very intimately involved with broadcast networks, filmmakers, 
et cetera, in Brazil, all across Central and South America. And I say all that not to, not to brag because compared to some of the people I work with, my career's you know, not nearly as significant. I only say it for context because when at 55, I was looking at the industry and I was saying, look, technology's gonna change this industry. Five years out, a, a highly paid position like I was in isn't sustainable um, because you know, the platform's gonna change. So I said, what am I going to do? I'm 55 now. What am I going to do for the next 10 or 15 years? I'm not going to be employable at 60, but I am now. And that turned out to be very wrong. Um, I was shocked. And speaking of context from background, I thought the phone would ring off the hook. You know, a guy with my level of experience, I'm thinking, you know, international business experience, leading sales teams, marketing, blah, 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 uh, goose eggs. Goose eggs because you're, you're too right. expensive to retain. Too expensive, to too old. Yeah, both. Uh, what I what I learned um, through the experience and after the fact is, human beings don't look at your resume. Um, there are uh, there are software scrubbing programs that keyword out certain metadata and they infer age from the dates you list on your resume and your experience when you graduated college, you know, how long you've been in jobs. They infer all of these things and sort you out before a human being even gets a look at you. So, you know, talk about growing a thick skin. Don't feel badly if the phone doesn't ring, um, especially if you're over the age of 40. Um, Also, you know, I sat back and started thinking when the phone wasn't ringing, like, the stats are one in five people, 20% of the workforce is going to get laid off in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, it's happening right now in the medical industry. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, there's some really talented folks from pharmaceutical and medical devices on the market um, because there's just this consolidated grab for quarterly numbers that board members are looking for. Um, <clears throat> the average job these days lasts three to five years. The days of pension, you know, when I, started in the workforce i was hired by philip morris i had a pension <laughs> those 401ks have turned into 201ks these days 201 yeah i mean in 2008 um in in a good year your 401k is going to grow eight to twelve percent um yeah. but in 2008 you're right became a 201k and i don't want to be a, a doomsday kind of guy but you know chances are pretty strong that we're going to go through a correction again and that 401k could become a 301 or a 201. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so all those things combined, you got to say to yourself, um, am I standing on a treadmill and, and walking in place or, or maybe even going backwards in my career? If you're jumping from job to job because, you know, your answer to yourself is I need a paycheck. Um, are you getting ahead? Because 10 years from now, you know, if you get to be 55 like me, that job market may not be so receptive and you're going to start living off your savings earlier than expected. Um, so I made the decision to look at entrepreneurial opportunities and, you know, <clears throat> we all go in with misperceptions. I think about the entrepreneurial world. We hear things like, Oh, there's a 90% fail rate in the first two years. Well, that's BS. Um, it's BS. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just purposed myself not to make a decision about, owning my own company and doing my own thing, just learning, just actually getting real information, not, you know, 
sitting at a bar stool with somebody who says, yeah, my aunt had a franchise and she went belly up, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. And sometimes that happens, but that doesn't mean that always happens, right? Anecdotal stuff and make assumptions. I just said, I'm going to go out and really learn what this is. Um, I got into franchise, the entrepreneur source. Um, People are surprised to know that the, there's more, more of those companies than like Subway or McDonald's um, yeah. as I was. And, uh, you know, in the, in the chance to do what you love to do, I work from home. Uh, I've got the freedoms I want. But I also proved to myself if I do the thing, um, <laughs> 10 years from now, not only can I continue doing this into my 70s, but I can also create some wealth and equity and do it anywhere in the world. I was in China in December um, doing my business virtually there. You travel a lot too. Um, I'll be in Ireland in two weeks doing the thing. Doing the thing in a pub. Yeah, exactly. I have a lousy Irish accent. Playing darts in the pub. Oh, I don't even try. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, I'm really envious. It's going to be a good time. so, so that's that's one of the one of the things that that kind of brought us together is the entrepreneur source. Uh, we're both kind of doing the thing with uh, with this and helping create uh, new possibilities for for folks all over the country. Um, let's talk a little bit more about um, your career transition into this, though. So, so during your career, what's one thing that you would have changed if you could do it? You can roll back time a little bit. What would you do differently, if anything? Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't be quite as stupid as I was. Um, and what I mean by that, very specifically, is uh, way, way back in my career, uh, early on in my sales management, actually. Um, you know, and there was not. Let me preface: there was not alcohol involved in this story at all. Okay. Yeah, at all. Uh, there probably should have been. Um, but I actually told, uh, I, first I was talking to the president of the company that I was sales manager at, and I told him that he looked like William Shakespeare, which wasn't as bad as what I told the senior VP of sales. That same night, I told him that he looked like the postman from Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> but you know my point is um there there's a level of um look let's flip the script a little bit you don't want to be a a a person who says it depends what the definition of is is right you don't want to be that slippery in how you deal with others in your career but you also don't want to tell them they look like frosty the snowman's postman right and there's somewhere in between that I finally learned. Um, diplomacy, tact, maybe not saying something, maybe taking the 10 count and thinking about your, about what you're about to say and all of that, that I think, uh, you know, if I could go back and change, who knows where I'd be today? I'd probably still be doing exactly what I'm doing, um, but maybe I would have had broader experience in, in the work world if I just wouldn't have been, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of goes back into you know uh, building uh, a world class network. You yeah. know, you know if if you're you know I was a I was a young 
sergeant in the Marines. And uh, again, you know, as a sergeant again, and a warrant officer later on in the Army. Um, but I actually alienated a lot of junior enlisted folks that were, you know, working under me. Uh, because I was, you know, the big tough sergeant, and I was in charge, and I'm going to yell at you and and make you make you do push-ups and stuff like that. You know that 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 kind of did something a little bit to my 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 network because as those guys uh, grow up and they they go further along in the ranks, maybe they get out of the military and they do some great things. You know, there's a percentage of them that's that we we talk and we're friendly and. and you know, they, they, they understood why it was the way it was, but there's others out there that won't speak to me, you know, um, and, and that, that, that could have been somebody that I could have worked with later on down the road. You never know. Uh, but, you know, try to, you know, build and nourish those relationships around you um, and not calling them, you know, William Shakespeare or <laughs> whatever, because then you... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's cliched, but net worth equals net work. That's right. That's it, right. It, it really does. Uh, so, you, yeah, I mean, look, we, we all were impetuous, maybe not to the degree that you and I sound like we both were early on. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, honoring other people, lifting other people up, right? Um, yeah. Sure, you got to call people on the carpet once in a while. That's part of life, but... Um, Absolutely. You a, a loyal network of people who follow and love you if you help them get the things in life that they want. And that's a lesson we both had to learn, I guess, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think I learned it a little bit. Um, you know, probably my first year being out of the service, you know, I was, I, I learned how, how valuable network really was. It was a shame that I didn't learn it while I was active duty. Um, I think I probably could have been much more diplomatic. Um, but, um, you know, you, you gotta do, um, you gotta, you know, take that 10 count, I guess. And, um, reset, reset. Sometimes you do my friend. So, so during your, um, during your transition out of corporate, um, probably, um, had a lot of hurdles, probably a lot of interesting things happen. Um, so if you were to impart any wisdom on other folks that were in a career transition themselves, um, you know, what would you, uh, you know, at least one valuable nugget that you learned? What, what was that? It, it was, uh, that's a great question. And um, there's the pen count, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You, you know, it's back to that treadmill thing. Look, you're here for a reason when you're considering a career change you're here for a reason shouldn't you stop right now and really think about what's most important and take a longer view than just i need a job or i need to make this much money shouldn't you think about your family shouldn't you think about the creative aspects of your life um, your lifestyle in general as well as your long-term wealth building goals shouldn't you think about what really feeds your soul career-wise and otherwise, shouldn't you know all of that before you start talking to companies? And instead, so many people are just like reflexively, hey, the phone rang, I'm so happy I got an interview. Then they get into the job and they find out two or three years later, they're miserable again. Um, stop and think where it is you're trying to go. It'd yeah. be my yeah, sometimes it's much sooner than that. It's months, a couple months into it. 
and yeah. all that wasted time and and you could have been building on your your own personal empire you know yeah look and entrepreneurship isn't right for everybody yeah. i think it is um but there are some folks who would say i would never do that in my life um but i would say look while you're considering why not broaden your possibilities and think about everything why not have a broad you know a, a buffet of choices in front of you rather than just taking the first thing that you get right stop and think investigate learn yeah i'd say all those things absolutely and and you know it it is really interesting how when we are in that that uh, transition space um it gets very important getting that next paycheck or it feels like it's very important to quickly and you know get that paycheck because you know most men are providers um you know, there's a lot of a lot of women out there that are professionals, and they absolutely have to continue, you know, onto something. But, you know, when you do take that ten count and you go you go back and kind of look at what else is out there, what are your options? At least you can kind of reframe and and start working towards towards something, even if it's not right away. Uh, but you have an idea of something that's going to be, you know, sustainable. You know, because just like you said, people are what they call the career economy people are leaving their jobs every two to three years um it's, it's bad especially for you know it's on both sides millennials are doing it um every two to three years probably even faster um and then you know the folks that are you know suffering from ageism um you're probably getting out of a 150k salary job per year the next job's going to be 100k the next job's going to be 80k the next job 70 if they even keep you around long enough and then what you're like robert the robert de niro intern <laughs> yeah look you know i started cataloging uh because i reach out to a lot of people as you do you know that are considering a career change i started cataloging the reasons they gave me for that change um three out of ten people actually said to me i never thought it would happen to me meaning downsizing, right-sizing. I never thought it would happen to me. Um, the, uh, the other, you know, two out of 10 would say, I never thought it would happen again. Wow. Yeah, it's almost 50% of the folks. And now, let me qualify. These are people around 45 and up. Um, mm -hmm. But almost half of them, yeah, half of them are, are like, I've been downsized, right-sized, or it's coming, and I know it's coming. So, you know, why do we just jump to the next thing that we might get downsized at without at least considering other possibilities? It's, it's a question. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it, it should be a question that's taken very seriously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we, we like to, you know, both of us in our practices, we both like to focus on a couple of things, and that's, uh, we call that the ill we, right? Your, your income, lifestyle, wealth, and equity goals. And those are important. Those are really important. And, and you know, a job isn't always going to get those. That's that next job that's just going to give you that quick uh, gratification of a paycheck. Uh, it's probably going to be missing a couple of elements on there. Uh, so it always helps to have somebody, um, you know, at least uh, to consult with and, uh, you know, work with a little bit to kind of keep those in perspective. Yeah, yeah. And coach you around your blind spots, right? Exactly. So let's let's talk about um, the coaching thing, and and you mentioned that you're doing uh, international speaking events and things like that. Um, any um, well, one, I'm going to ask you to wow me with your skills in a little bit. But first, 
talk to me about uh, some of those uh, some of those events. You got any uh, funny or amusing stories? Yeah, yeah, I do. So, um, you know, my wife's from China and um, we went on a vacation to China and she said, you know, I'd like you to do some uh, speaking in China if you're up to it. And I said, of course. And over the course of two weeks, I spoke to more than 2,000 people. Um, But the middle presentation is one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me in in my, the speaking portion of my career. we, we took a bus from uh, Shanghai uh, out into the country to this international school, and the bus ride is like an hour. Um, I was told, uh, even weeks before, up to days before, I was told I'm going to be meeting with between 10 and 12 uh, seniors in high school that speak fluent English. So I've spoken enough to know you prepare for all eventualities, um, right? Absolutely, yep. <laughs> Because, so two things happened. When I got there, they said, uh, oh, by the way, we promoted the fact that you're going to be speaking today and a little bit about your book. And um, there's going to be 650 people. (laughs) (laughs) So we went from, and this is when we got there, right? This is hours before the presentation. Like, uh, yeah, it's not going to be nine people. It's going to be 650. (laughs) There's that. Um, How do you switch gears to that? <laughs> yo, yo, look, you if if you're gonna if you think you can get up as a speaker and just wing it, you're gonna get crucified. You're gonna you're yeah crushed. So you, yeah, yeah, you have to um, you have to prepare for all eventualities. You really do. You have to be poised, professional. You have to memorize what you're going to say so that you can react to the situations you don't expect, the questions you didn't expect, you know? So, yeah, so turns to 650, right? And um, I don't speak, well, little, little Mandarin, but certainly not enough to give a whole presentation. Um, so I had a translator, right? Uh, so I'm the uh, final act, you know? Um, there's a bunch of musical presentations, but I'm the, I'm the main course, I guess, whatever. Um, They call me up on stage and we can't find my translator. Oh no. Yeah, so I'm standing on stage, can't find my translator. Somebody gets on the microphone. I'm not gonna say the person's name, but they're like, person, person, where are you? Person. This was uh, grade school up to high school kids who apparently all had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, no. oh yeah, yeah. Uh, probably half the students got up and just left and did whatever they did. Uh, some of the parents left too, um, and so all of a sudden, six hundred and fifty is down to like two fifty or three hundred, and I'm just standing on stage, and they're still calling for my translator. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, that happened. Um, and you know, fortunately, they found her. Um, Fortunately, she came up on stage. Fortunately, everybody came back. Um, and it was one of the best presentations, I think, in terms of audience reaction, I think I've ever had. Uh, maybe because we were just uh, saved from the, the throes of defeat. I don't know. But yeah, that happened. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad everybody came back. That would have um, been like never going back to China ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, was it, was it me? Was it my yeah, own? right. 
Yes. So, so give us a demonstration. Well, wow, wow us with some of your your present, uh, I guess, your motivational speaking skills. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought about a lot of quirky, funny things, but I'll I'll get serious and real for a minute. Um, I had the honor, um, <clears throat> and still have the honor of counting as one of my dear friends, a, a guy who led the largest team of persons with disabilities to ever reach Mount Everest Base Camp. And he went on the summit, the first man in history to summit Everest missing an arm. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and he's one of my dear friends. And the second book was really taking his story and framing it around the business leadership narrative. Um, and, you know, the experience that I had uh, and still have sometimes when we sit down and talk to people is just what you said, right? People say, like, what's your story? And I'll tell them about me. And then they'll say to Gary, like, what's your story? Oh, well, you know, I summited Everest with one arm and set a world record. And then everybody's like, wow, I got nothing. Yep. I, I have no more stories to tell. Let's hear about yours. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? And I wrote it in the book, and, and I believe it, and it's absolutely true. We all climb our own Everest. Yeah. Um, we may not summit Mount Everest, but we all face, you know, situations that test our mettle, right, that bring us to the edge, put us right on the edge. And we have to decide whether we're going to leap off, take that leap of faith, or we're going to cower back. And each of our life experiences is no less challenging than that, than that Everest trip, because if it, if it, brings you to the edge of your skills, knowledge, experience, and pushes you beyond that, you just climbed your own Everest, right? Right. So, I mean, I had a lot of funny responses, but the reality is that's the right one. I like that. I like that. Very true. It's very, um, you know, I can think of a few of my own, you know, Mount Everest that I've had to climb in my own life, you know, that's, uh, so that, that's very thought provoking. And I can see how you can kind of weave that into some very empowering conversations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's life-changing when you embrace it. So, got a few minutes left. Let's, uh, let's start wrapping it up. Um, I added a question on here. Uh, hopefully you had an opportunity to think about it a little bit before. Um, but, uh, you know, we're both big readers. Um, I, I like the entrepreneurial self-help books. I like, I like some fiction stuff. I, I like everything. Um, right now, what are, what are you reading and what would you recommend? Well, I would recommend my books, of course. No, I'm kidding. No, I would only recommend my books if you're having trouble sleeping. Um, if you have insomnia, <laughs> it'll sell yourself short. <laughs> no, no. In all seriousness, um, I think the most, uh, well, there's been many life changing books I've read. One of them in particular, not enough people have read. I think it's a book by John Medina called brain rules. Brain rules. All right. Yeah, rules is a tough, it, you can mumble the word rules if you're not careful. So that's why I had to enunciate it. Brain rules. Um, but look, we, oftentimes don't spend enough time understanding why we are wired the way we are, why we think the way that we do, why we have certain responses. Um, you know, you're in a dark alley, put yourself in a dark alley and you feel the hair on your neck start to stand. That's an instinctive survival, um, a survival instinct that's hardwired into us. Where did that come from? And when you read my rules, 
uh, it takes you back all throughout history to understand why and how we think the way we do. And more importantly, it teaches you ways to maximize your own efficiency by way of that understanding. Uh, I think it's one of the most brilliant books Love ever it. written. Most people I know, most people I know haven't read it. It's, it's a bestseller, so obviously a lot of people have. But in my friend's circle, I was the first one to bring it to the table. And everyone that's read it off that recommendation is like, thank you so much. That was life-changing. That's awesome. I'll put that in the uh, the show notes so so everyone can kind of research it uh, on their own and check it out. I know I'll personally check it out. That sounds really interesting. Um, I'm a big advocate on, you know, you know the, the mind and controlling the mind through the body and, you know, be able to change your state, uh, which is one of the big things, you know, you know, I was up until 3 a.m. last night and you know I had to go through and really change my state to get get up and going and start working with my clients today because you know <laughs> the world doesn't stop just because you're on a flight from Denver and <laughs> coming in super late you know what I mean yes I do yeah I do and you know that gets back to the daily disciplines if you start your day with some affirmations with some restatement of your goals and all that, if you get out of bed and start your day that way rather than sucking down a cup of coffee and jumping with both feet into it and letting the first events of the day dictate how your day goes, you know, take charge of it by telling yourself, this is where my day is going to go. Right. Um, yeah. That's part of changing state. That's an excellent point, man. Absolutely, man. Well, we'll leave everybody with that. That was uh, I think that was a good uh, ending kind of statement there. I, I like that. Doing the thing. And we're going to do the thing next week. Right on, man. Listen, thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, returning the favor and interviewing you too, sir. Looking forward to it. I'll, um, I'll think really long and hard. You're going to have to send me some questions beforehand so I don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, brother. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. Yep. Talk soon.